Captain America, The Winter Soldier, one of the best movies Marvel has ever made. Tom and I had an awesome time breaking this one down, debating time travel, all of it. I hope you enjoy it. Programming note, we changed our name on Twitter or X, whatever your social pronouns are. We're now at Streaming Circuit. So it's at and then Streaming Circuit, but no G on streaming. At Streaming Circuit. So make sure to go follow us on Twitter or X, whatever you call it. And also, later this month, 2023 Movie Madness. That's right. It's back, baby. Rising up like The Undertaker after a choke slam. We're back. Movie Madness. Look out for that later this month. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Streaming Circuit, the podcast that's busy planning our honeymoon in New Jersey. As always, I'm your host, Adam, and I'm joined by my buddy, Tom. What's up, man? And as always, I have been Aaron. Just a weird way of saying your name as like a customer service rep. Why wouldn't you say I was? Hydra agent? Question mark? I don't know. But when they have then caught them instead of them like escaping the mall? Well, I mean, they, they kissed, so, you know, I mean... You can't possibly. But they didn't and kiss wearing... in front of him. They were just planning honeymoon. Well, they're wearing baseball caps, which I'm going to get to. But, you know, the baseball cap is. Yes, the nondescript baseball cap in the middle of, I guess, Cleveland, as you'll find out later. Mm, yeah. What a city. It sure is a pretty city. Um, what are we here talking about? Winter Soldier. <laughs> you forgot already. <laughs> I knew it had a, I knew it was a Captain America something something. So we're talking about Captain America and the, yeah. Is it and the Winter Soldier or Captain America the Winter Soldier or just Captain America Winter Soldier? What's the tagline here? It is Captain America colon the Winter Soldier. A weird title when you think about it. Like it's a cool name. It's catchy. But when you think about it, it's just two characters names separated by a colon. It's kind of weird. I don't know. Each Captain America is Captain America colon something. The first Avenger, the Winter Soldier and Civil War. Yeah, but the other two. And now we're going to get, is it Brave New World is the fourth one? I don't fucking know. Is there even going to be a fourth one? I don't know. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I'm, I'm At this not point, excited. everything is up in the air. Yeah, that I don't think that's going to be a, a great movie. No offense to Sam Wilson. But you said, I mean, I, I know they shot it because there are stills that are around the Internet of Harrison Ford replacing William Hurt. I think it's William Hurt, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which that is great casting. I'm not going to lie to that about that. God American rest treasure Hurt, Harrison Ford. I think I think Ford will probably do better. Rest in peace, William Hurt. But uh... I can't debate that. No, Harrison Ford. Give give William Hurt's Oscars to Harrison Ford right now. I'm OK with that. Hmm. Ford will Hulk out. Red Hulk. Here we go. Here we go. Um, all right. So we're talking about Winter Soldier. Uh, what are your thoughts on Captain America, the Winter Soldier? All right. I'm going to start off with a hot take. Oh, I love it. I think this is by far the best phase two movie. Mm. No, not by far. Might I knew you were going to come at me with that, but. This movie has no business being good. You're taking a character that should have aged poorly from one film to the next. Personally, as we discussed in the first Captain America or the first Avenger pod, I enjoyed that particular episode. 
But coming into the second one, I'm like, how the hell do you transition him when there's such a gap between his two worlds? One is an origin story, but then you completely forego the origin story, freeze him in ice, move him on 70 plus years, and then have to somehow give him relevance in a modern setting. And to do it as well as they did, to bring Hydra completely out of nowhere as like this dormant sleeper cell and make a really cool, well done spy thriller inside of a comic book genre film, I thought was ingenious. I'll just tell you now, and I think I've kind of hinted at it before in other pods we've done, this might be the top novelty grade movie of any of the MCUs. Wow. That's wow. Okay. I mean, it's not my favorite Captain America movie. It's probably actually number three, but I hold Whoa. all three of them in like high esteem. And I compared to any other characters, movies within at least standalone movies within the MCU. I think these are the top three where I don't think there's a miss in any one of them. I know you necessarily disagree, but I could watch any one of these three easily at any given time. I think it's, it's certainly in the conversation for the best trilogy in the MCU. Like of just individual characters. I don't know. Well, It's not going to be Thor. It's not going to be the incredible Hulk. Well, you'd have to have a second movie um, before you could get to a trilogy. Um, It's not going to be black Panther or Dr. Strange. Yeah, no, definitely not. The only one I think is in true competition because even Iron Man, I think two and three fade off enough that people don't believe in that. The only one where you could say the trilogy is somewhat close to the same level of strength. And I don't agree with this because, you know, I am not a huge No Way Home fan, but it's Spider-Man and the Tom Holland three films. Blasphemous. Uh, It's Spider-Man, Guardians and Cap, I think, are the big three for trilogies. And then... uh, don't shake your head at me. What do you mean? What are you doing? Shaking your head. Guardians. Come on. Yeah, Guardians 3. You're insane. Yeah. Guardians 3 is so good. Guardians 3 is so good. It's propped up by the base. I cried. It's propped like up on the basis that during that movie. the other films that were happening around it in phase four and phase five were duds. Like if it did not. Well, sure, but that doesn't have anything to do with it. That schlockness. No, it does. I think people were ready to have a little nostalgia for something that was even halfway decent. Like it's an okay movie. I think it might be the best guardians movie of the three. I don't know. Um, but that's for, we'll discuss that in 2026. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hot take. I like it. I think this is probably the best captain America movie. Not my favorite, but I think it's the best and super important, which we're going to get to on your pod, but introduced a couple of uh, very key figures to the MCU. And I'm not talking about actors. Talking about Mr. Joe and Anthony Rousseau directing the hell out of this film and a couple other ones you may have heard of. I think this might be really the turning point in what I would say the Infinity Saga became. You have, I would say, the somewhat of a tripod of important people. The writing staff being McFeely and Marcus getting together with the Russos and then recreating or at least creating the importance of Steve Rogers being a, I would say, indispensable member of the Avengers. Up until this, he was kind of uh, in the same blender, I would say, as Thor and Hulk, that they were fine, but Iron Man really defined this phase up until this point. 
And once this movie drops, I think Steve Rogers surpasses Thor and Hulk as favorite Avengers. He becomes, I would say, 1B of importance in the Avengers saga, or at least the Infinity Saga behind Tony Stark. Oh, for sure. For sure. He a Cap kind of has the Superman problem, where it's hard to write a Superman. It's hard to make Captain America interesting because he's so just good. And that always isn't always interesting. But the the Russos really, really nailed that one. And Marcus and McFeely, like you mentioned. Um, I highly recommend anyone who hasn't to go and watch the the four movies that they directed and they wrote together with director commentary, because all four of them do all of the commentary. And it's fascinating to listen to. I almost like that version more than the real version. It's so much fun to listen to them. And Joe Russo is in the movie. He's one of the doctors. That, yes, uh, he is. Yeah, he has a line. I forget, but he says something nondescript. Was it he or was it Anthony that was in the opening parts of Endgame? Joe as well. Okay, I don't so think, he I don't gets, think he's Anthony's in, in. Okay, yeah, I don't think Anthony's in any of them. Um, but uh, well, Joe actually also is in Civil War. He is the the mangled body behind the uh, the curtain in the bathtub. Oh. He's the one that's laying in the bathtub. I'll have to watch that more closely about next year when we do that one. Yeah. And Marcus is in Infinity War. He's one of the the people on the hologram that uh, Rhodey's talking to. And he's oh, like, that's okay. a court martial. And Rhodey's like, ah, fuck you. Uh, uh, I, I think it's Marcus, the taller one. Um, isn't it? So I think anyway. that's Endgame, not Infinity War. No, it's definitely Infinity War because Evans has a beard. It's when uh, it's when he brings um vision back and vision's all like wounded and then Ruffalo's like hey Nat and then it's super awkward because they fucked but Cap and Natasha fucked too yeah I know you were gonna be on that bandwagon you forewarned me about that one but uh, we'll no save that for later we'll no save that for later we're not gonna do it right now we're gonna save it but we're gonna talk about it we're gonna put a believe pin back you, in that grenade okay believe you believe you me listeners we're coming back to that don't you worry. I know what you want. Um, all right, let's jump into the categories. What do you want to hit on first? What's your What's your choice? What do I want to hit on? Yeah. That's how you're going to phrase it? Sure. I mean, if we're going to do that, we're going to go love interest, and we're just going to put the pin right back out of the grenade. All right. Okay. Okay. What you got? Who you got? You You ready for this? I'm ready for this. It's going to be something stupid, I'm sure. I think you, you want to start with love interest, because I think you have the hotter take. Mine in this one, he's still pining after her, there's an entire sequence with her. It's Peggy Carter. It's always been Peggy Carter. Yeah. I mean, you're not like, wrong. I'll take the obvious choice because I knew you were going to go off the board. You're not wrong. I'm not going to argue there. What was, I mean, assuming 100%. Well, 100%. yeah, we've said that yeah. there's two love interests. Shebang it's, it's will be three. locks. Stone Thanks. cold locks in the final list or the Hall of Fame list. Pepper and Peggy Carter. The disrespect of Jane Foster. I'm sick of it. There's three locks, and you know it. You you damn well know it. There's actually four. MJ's a lock. Come on, what are we talking about? MJ is a lock. When we when we get to Age of Ultron, I'm gonna have a really interesting one because I figure you're gonna take the easy, low hanging fruit, and I'm gonna take the uh, more obfuscated one. But I still think Tony Stark's dad has the potential to be a love interest Hall of Famer. You mean I'm not gonna pick like a chair? Or a, or a parent. <laughs> You're right. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Um, I went with Natasha, obviously, because Cap and Natasha 
have chemistry through the goddamn roof in this movie. It's the best sexual chemistry in the entire Infinity Saga. Better than Tony and Pepper. Better than anybody. These two, I just, I mean, they just want to rip their clothes off the whole movie. It's, it's, it, the tension is, is, it, it like makes me tense. Like tension. Like it's just like, oh my God, these two need to bang. And then they do. And it's great. And it relieves the tension. Boy, better than Star-Lord and Gamora. Better than Ant-Man and Wasp. Well, I mean, come on. Ant-Man and Wasp, what are we doing? I, do there's res- a lot of re- sexual tension in those movies. I'll do respect. I guess the first one. She wasn't even in Quantumania. And I still think Peggy in First Avenger with Steve. There's there's quite a bit of angst there. Maybe not oh. to the level where you can you can feel the sweat dripping off of them and that I think you can during pieces of this movie, but they clearly, yeah, they're into each other, but no, they're not right for each other. They do oh, not bang. Let me when, unbutton when, my plumes. Where uh, in this movie would they bang? What are you talking about? Obviously it's Sam's house. They both get out of the shower at the exact same time. What are you talking about? He has about? his shirt on yet. That's something you put on after sex. Come on. Come on. Uh, okay. So, so they, so they went to Sam's house to hide out so that they could have sex while he makes them breakfast. Like what kind (laughs) of guests are you? I mean, yeah. If, I mean, if you're in a house with Scarlett Johansson, yeah. Yeah. If I were in a house with Scarlett Johansson, but we're talking about the boy scout of boy scouts, Captain America. Well, I mean, who knows what he's been up to? Would he he, cheat on his best gal? You know, he's... and she's on her deathbed. OK, well, she's already dead at that point, but not to mention would Natasha, who is notoriously single, be pushing him towards other women throughout the course of the film? Well, they literally bring it up in the truck. She says, what do you want me to be? Indicating like, I'll be whatever you want me to be. Indicating I'm she's start... into him. I'm sorry. There's still no room in here where they had time to have sex. What are you talking? They sure. They shower unless she's giving him roadhead. Look, what what is his line? I'm 145. I'm not dead. Whatever he says. I don't know what he says, but 95. I'm 95. 95. Not dead. So we don't know what he's been up to. Cap's been whiling and I and who better to while with than one Natasha Romanoff. So and plus, you know, they they make it a point multiple times throughout the franchise to like make it awkward later in movies when Ruffalo's like, what do you mean? up close and then when she comes back in infinity war and sam's like well this is awkward because he knows they were banging they banged now and they were also banging another hot take all of the infinity war time when they're on the run together i guarantee you they were hooking up then too boom i'm not buying it i'm not buying it i gave natasha 20 percent but most of that interest somewhere else yeah most of that is factoring in other relationships she has. So that is why I gave her as high as I did. Neither of us said, uh, what's her name? Sharon. That's because I'm waiting for civil war for her. Oh, okay. All right. She's interesting. She's an interesting character. Well, especially post Falcon and winter soldier. I'm curious what they want to do with that, but that's a series that, that might be the only storyline that actually is different than when the, what they came into it with. That storyline was bad. 
I was, it was. I was not a fan. I was like, you either got to commit to this or don't. But th- what they're doing, it's going to be stupid. You know, it's going to be stupid. Whatever, whatever she does, whoever she's talking to, it's going to be dumb. It's probably um, Val, right? It's probably who she's talking to. And it's going to be a storyline in Thunderbolts, right? I would imagine so, given that Kurt Russell or not Kurt Russell, uh, Wyatt Russell's character pops up in Thunderbolts. Yeah. And Thunderbolts has to come after the next Captain America because Harrison Ford has to also reprise his role in Thunderbolts, does he not? Yeah, I, th- I think yeah, I think Cap Four comes out first. I don't know. Thunderbolts is going to be, I don't know. I, I that is the least excited I've ever been for an MCU movie ever. I I couldn't care less about any of those people in that movie. It's like, what are we doing? David Harbor. I love David Harbor, but what are we doing? It seems like it. Okay, let's take all the sidekicks that were great in small bits in other people's movies and throw them all together and see if we can make something. Yeah, like make it a show. Your shows suck it's, anyway. Make it a show. It's the stone soup of movies. Mm, yeah, it's... I mean, I'll see it opening weekend, but I won't be happy about it. <laughs> they, they got me, though. They got me. They got me by the balls. They, they're like... I'm Captain America and Marvel is Natasha Romanoff. They just got me by the balls and I'll do whatever they want. I'm trying to think. I, What was the last Marvel film I actually watched in theaters? It might be Shang-Chi. You'd miss some good ones. Yeah. Two good ones. I the still haven't movie... seen the Marvels. No, you're not missing much. I've come down on that one um, since seeing it. Oh, no. You know, you know what? It's uh, Thor Love and Thunder, which I liked. Ugh. You would. You yes, would. I did. All right. So, you, okay. So you said Peggy 100%. All right. So I'm going to pick the next one. I want to go do 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 sidekick. I assume we're going to okay. have the same one here, but maybe not. Falcon 100%. 100. A Benjamin. Yeah. Ooh. He never takes over as his own character within the Infinity Saga. He becomes the ultimate sidekick by taking on the shield at the end. He is 100%. Locked and loaded. Yeah, I wasn't quite at 100, but uh, I think you've convinced me. Yeah, Falcon, 100%. I'm going to go up. It's it's a lock. He's the only sidekick in this that eventually takes on the mantle of the hero, sacrificing his own well-being or whatever he would want his own life to be for the betterment of his pal. Even the Winter Soldier doesn't quite become that. I have a feeling, knowing approximately where I've planned out my sidekickery that Peggy or not Peggy, that Sharon will be the love interest in civil war and winter soldier will be the sidekick in civil war. But Hmm. I think those both winter soldier and Falcon have a very, very good chance of being in the top. I would say five of sidekicks for hall of fame. Winter soldier. Really? Wow. I think he's got a good shot. I wouldn't say he's a lock like Falcon is, though. I don't know. I mean, what has Bucky done? I mean, the first movie, he was just dead weight and really just, you know, slowed Steve down in most scenarios. And then this movie is trying to kill him the whole movie. And he's then with Civil him War, till he's trying to kill line. him half the movie. True. True. Um, okay, so Falcon, yeah, I don't think there's too much talk about there. He's, he's, this is the best falcon in my opinion is this movie i like him the most in this one yeah he has a great opening we feel like we're really into the character within three or four minutes and even though it's a really steady ramp 
from him going to, I'm running past you on my morning run to, I'm going to hang out with you and have one conversation in the grief counseling session to, I'm going to be your sidekick and wherever you go, I'm going. Like that's a really steady incline for what is supposedly like three days, but Mm. it's still the best version of him. It doesn't feel, even though there's that steady incline, like it's too out of place. And I do like the writing of his character compared to some other sidekicks that we've had. And I like his tech. His tech is very, just like very cool to me, you know, it's just like the, and he's got the, he's got like a t-shirt on, you know, he doesn't have this stupid Falcon suit. Well, and for the most part, it's really good practical effects in this movie that allow him Mm. some level of groundedness in a way that a lot of the other characters have not. I just thought it gives him a really great grounded practical effect to his character, unlike what we get with a lot of other, let's say, CGI heroes. There are very few grounded sidekicks in these, but I think those are the ones that have usually the most gravitas. When it comes to Rhodey, He's often been either just human or his suit is not all that unfamiliar to us because of we know the mechanics of Tony's. We get Ned as a good sidekick, but he's the guy in the chair. And so that's a really great grounded character. And every one of these where we get a really good sidekick, they usually have some very basic concept to them that they're not extra CGI, not how they look. They don't have these weird magical abilities or something that's extraordinary. They just are good human beings that are support, whether emotional or physical or whatever else, to the hero. And that's what defines a good sidekick. So I think in some regards, they've gone a little bit too far with some of the more modern ones that I don't think work as well. Well, Rhodey hasn't been just human as long as some of us would like him to have been, but that's fine. It's for another pod. We digress. Um, all right. So Falcon hundred percent. All right. What do you want next? Do you want villain? Do you want? Well, villain, villain? makes the most sense. Cause then we get the scenes coming up. Yeah. All right. So villain, I think we're going to differ. I know we're going to differ on villain. So what do you got? I have Alexander Pierce. Interesting. I love me some Robert Redford. He did this so that he could appear in a film where his grandkids would notice. Sounds cool to me. I think he's a menacing villain. He, his chin never quivers. He's always resolute in the face of whatever's going on. And he clearly commands a certain steely coolness within the film that allows him to be menacing without necessarily ever being like, grunty or grimacing or you know any of the things that we would associate normally with villains he's just calm collected and ruthless he's very good he's very good he is not my best villain though that's winter soldier come on he's so winter soldier is so good in this movie i gave him 83 percent, and i i i hedged a little bit because it's going to get dicey with him he's one of the very dicey characters in this franchise that i'm not going to know what to do with him Um, Yeah, he's kind of the Loki of this series. Yeah, but man, he's so good in this movie. He's absolutely terrifying. I love the score that they have, that screeching sound when he, every time he comes on screen is just incredible and and such a a badass entrance. I mean, not the entrance, but when he's in Cap's apartment and Cap throws a shield 
and he just fucking turns around and catches it. It's like, oh shit. Uh, it's just, it's unbelievable. The knife fight on the, on the freeway is just this. He is, he is throwing a million miles an hour in this movie. I absolutely love him. I certainly can't make a huge argument for that. I think part of my disagreement is, is he becomes more of a henchman than he is like a true villain. Yeah. Because one, there's that moral ambiguity by the time we figure out that it's Bucky and then he tries to turn him. And obviously by the end, he's kind of half realized who he once was. Plus he's at the whim or the beck and call of the actual villains, Hydra, if you will. So I have a harder time classifying him strictly as a villain. And I think he's more of a tragic figure than he is the true villain, but I can't, I can't say that you're wrong either. I mean, it is technically his movie. No, that's fair. I mean, some other options that you could go with. I agree with those. I mean, those two for sure. Uh, Batrock. Uh, yeah. Who comes, who but, comes back? I mean, he's so mini- minimally in the film. Yeah. It would be hard to label him as like the villain of the film, unless you just wanted to give a nice shout out, like a participation award type of thing. Yeah. The one that to me would be the strongest outside of that. You could go Zola for yeah. infiltrating and sleeper cell. You mm-hmm. could go Sitwell, or you could go Rumlow. Mm, Those would Rumlow. be like the, the full nominees. The one that I think is going to be possibly the hardest is civil war because they're technically fighting each other. Now you could make yeah, well, the very easy yeah. cop out and say Zemo, but I think well, that's going to be a much harder choice. Well, I'll tell you who I'm not going to pick in that movie is Rumlow. I love civil war, but God damn, that was the most disappointing thing ever that they made crossbones so fucking sick and then just blew him up 10 minutes into the movie. I was so mad. I was like, he's so cool. How are you wasting him? You know what he would have been good for? The fucking show they did instead of Carly. What are we doing? Anyway, Carly, get out of here. Fucking child. I can't wait till we get to the shows. They're gonna make me, I'm gonna get so mad when we get to the shows. Oh my god, they suck. Oh, when we do She-Hulk, it's just gonna be ugh. Mm. That might be the end of the pod. <laughs> that, that might be it. <laughs> my close-up shop. Well, now that the uh, Marvel Netflix shows are canon, we might have to do those too. I've never even seen those. Really? I've seen, I saw the, I saw season one of Luke Cage and then I've seen like four episodes of Daredevil. I will stand by that of any of the TV shows, other than maybe the first season of Loki, the only thing that could compete with it is probably the first season of Daredevil. In my opinion, I stand yeah. by that the first two seasons of Daredevil, I never watched the third because they were starting to cancel them by that point. Hmm. Jessica Jones season one and Luke Cage season one were all very good. Defenders and Iron Fist were terrible, like truly awful. Like you want to say yeah. uh, She-Hulk is bad. Watch Iron Fist and then come back and tell me that. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, we, you, you can talk about those shows when we get to the shows part. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to do sit down and watch all those shows and do a pod on them. I have no desire to do that, but well, I have no desire to do She-Hulk either for that matter. Um, Christ. <laughs> Correct. Kevin. Oh my God. <laughs> I just, I get mad thinking about Kevin. I, I can't even handle it. What the hell are we talking about? What, what category are we on? 
well, we can either go with one of the scenes or we can just abort all together and go to hot takes. Oh, we have lines. Let's do line. Let's let's do oh, that's the best right. line. We do have lines. My bad. That's right. I have uh, one, two, three, five, six lines. So I'll read those off and then you read uh, any leftovers that I, I got nine. Ooh, so okay. I have guaranteed that I will have ones you don't. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I have on your left. Spoken yep. by numerous characters throughout the movie. Uh, I'm here to pick up a fossil. Natasha. Love that line. Uh, before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Captain America yep. in the elevator. You got three um, of mine. Specimen. By uh, what's his name? Aaron. <laughs> what did you say his name was? Aaron. Aaron. He just he just examines Cap and says specimen and and gestures with his hands. I. That's the first one mind. I didn't have on my list, but that's a good one. <laughs> I lose my mind when he says that. It's so funny. You're basically twins. Yeah. I wish. Specimen. Um, kiss me. What? Public displays of affection make people very uncomfortable. Yes, they do. Uh, Natasha and Cap. Before they get all hot and bo- get me all hot and bothered uh, watching them. I thought for sure you'd have the. Is that your first kiss since 1945? I didn't have that. I didn't have that, but that's good. I didn't either because I didn't care. But I figured yeah. you would. I, I do like that line. Get your feet off the dash. I'm not stealing. It's borrowing. We think he brought that fucking truck back to the mall and found the owner. I don't think so. I call your bullshit, Cap. I call it you probably got crap. blown up by the drone. That's true, too. Do you think Cap took care of him? He didn't even take care of Sam. Poor Sam's out here living in fucking Bubba Gum Shrimp Company, Louisiana, and he, fucking no one's giving him any money. Um, and then the last line I had, it's not like they have the numbers on the outside of the building as Sam plummets to his seeming demise before the helicopter catches him in midair. All right. So a few ones you missed that I have. Nick Fury. What's not damaged? Fury car. Air conditioning is fully operational. Smithsonian guard discovers that Captain America's World War II uniform has been stolen. Oh, man. I am so fired. I have Bucky Barnes. I'm with you till the end of the line, which is my nominee for best line of the movie and i have that probably about 50 percent. i have steve rogers even when i had nothing i had bucky i have sam hey cap how do we know the good guys from the bad guys steve if they're shooting at you they're bad and finally nick fury holding a photo of alexander pierce this man declined the nobel peace prize he said that peace is not an achievement but a responsibility it's stuff like this that gives me trust issues. More on, on not that exact line, but um, something adjacent to that uh, in a future section on this episode. Um, is that I assume Bucky says that in the flashback, right? I'm with you to the end of the line. Correct. Yeah, that's a good one. That's that's a good choice. And, and Cap says it too. You know, that's important. What'd you say your percentage was on that? I would say 50% just because we've had some other really big lines, particularly from the Captain America series already. I could do this all day, you know, that sort of stuff. I think we have three yep. that are almost mortal locks. I am Iron Man. He who holds this hammer possesses the power of Thor, and I could do this all day. Mm. I think those three are mortal locks. So depending on how many nominees we have for quotes, I would say we probably expand that one to 10, just given the amount of quotes that we've given as nominees during the course of these films. But yeah. I'll give it a 50 50. 
just because I do think it is important to understanding the second half of the Infinity Saga, but you could give or take. I don't know if anyone's pulling that particular line out as much as the three mortal locks. For sure. I went with on your left as the best line. I gave it 33%. Um, mainly because this I mean, that's the first line I think of with this movie, um, you know, with the opening, which is one, yeah. of the, one of the best openings of the MCU. Um, and then also at the end when he's in the hospital, he's like on your left, which is great. But also in Endgame, you know, that's the, you know, that's how he cap realizes oh shit, I'm not alone. When Sam flies out on your left, like I'm getting emotional even talking about it. That's such a great scene. I love it. So I went with on your left for those reasons, but I think both are very worthy of getting in. You know, I'd never actually made that connection to Endgame. Huh. Yeah, yeah, on your left and he swoops in and then, and, oh God, portals, portals. Oh. Yeah, now it's just a... uh gif for any time a team gets back all of their players healthy uh, the lakers could use that um yeah it doesn't really matter for the lakers that our season's over okay slow down well actually what we what we really what we don't we don't need guys to get back healthy what we really need is d'angelo russell to get hurt that's what we really need he gets hurt then we're golden <laughs> we're smooth sailing so you have even less scoring on the floor okay no we gotta trade his ass like I hated him coming back. I hate him now. I, he's just he stinks. Um, give me Zach Levine. I don't care. All right. So those are good line choices. Now we're jumping into scenes. Let's do fight scene first. So fight scene, couple options. I actually didn't write them down, so I'm gonna go off the top of my, off the noggin here, off the dome. Well, so, how about I give you my five nominees, and if you can fill in beyond that, does that maybe help? That's better. Let's do that. All right, so counting down from five. Number five, I have the rooftop chase that you already mentioned where he throws the shield and Bucky catches it with the one hand. Number four, I have the Lemurian star. So the boat, tussle or whatever you will. Three, I have Fury escaping. And if that's your third best scene, you already have like a great action film on your hands. The car Two, I have the about? carrier takedown, which is the final sequence. Basically them running and gunning, trying to swap out the cards and whatever else. That's just one long action sequence. And then one, I have the elevator fight. Oh my God, dude. You Okay. All right. Interesting. Uh, yeah. You left out a big one. You left out my pick for best fight scene. The freeway, the fight on the freeway, man. You, mm. That's not even a nominee of yours. Mm. I mean, <sighs> guffaw. I, yeah, no, I know. I'm I'm good. Guffaw. What do you mean you're good? That's the best choreography the MCU has ever had. Him and Bucky fighting on the freeway. That's unbelievable. With the knife and he like drops the knife and like, oh my god. Oh, well, I mean I get chills. I get I get a Peter Tingle, dude. When he drops that knife and then goes to put it. Oh my god. He pulls the fucking. Um, do you need Arya to Stark go change him. your pants or? Oh my what? god, dude. Dude, he pulls the Arya Stark on him. Come on. Not in your top five. Get out of here. Um, he pulls the. What are you talking about? Arya Stark didn't do that for another five years. But like she did it better. Arya Stark I pulled mean, a winter soldier. No, she did. It. Come on, give her give her respect. Put respect on her name. She did it better than he did. I love it when he does it, but she did it a little better. That was dope when she did it. I was like, oh, she, like I stood up. I stood up out of my seat. Yeah. I was like, Had oh. that been the end of Game of Thrones, it would have ended possibly the best series of all time. But oh, then they had to tack on the it. last like four episodes. 
stop it. The ending is not that bad. No, no, it's I awful. Understand. I don't get it. It's truly what? awful. Okay. Tangent. Tan- we need like a th- we need like a sound, like tangent time. We need like a bell or an alarm. All right. Let me see what I can work with here. Cook something up. Tangent time. What is so bad about the end of Game of Thrones? Other than it's rushed. She I agree. Kills it's kills everybody like going nuclear on the entire town and yeah. ends up being killed. John is put back into exile. Literally everybody that you're rooting for has an unhappy ending. And Bran's placed oh, in charge. I completely disagree. With Tyrion? That makes no sense. I think like, John I was has... so ready for John to usurp the throne and he somehow oh, ends on. up back in exile. Get out of here. I with think that shit. I think John has a very happy ending. I don't think John wanted to be the king. I think he's perfectly happy going and living with the wildlings and and being with them. I think he's perfectly happy with that. I well I predicted Bran would well, be Well, we'll king. find out cuz there's now going to be a spin-off series. Not as excited for that one, but I, I mean, I predicted Bran would be King pilot episode. So I was, you know, that doesn't surprise me at all. I don't understand why people are so upset about the, the Danny thing. Who didn't see that coming? They set it up in the pilot. Like, Hey, everyone in my family. Oh, are you frozen? Can you hear me? Okay, good. Everyone in my family goes nuts. We go crazy and we try to kill everybody. They set it up in the pilot. How did everyone not understand that? That's exactly where the show was going, that she was going to go crazy and try and kill everybody. It was very obvious to me from the beginning. I'm just disappointed. That's all I can say. I watched I, it and I'm like, this is this is what we've built to? Is this sad fart? I'll agree it was a little rushed. I agree that the season is a little rushed. Yes. But that I think that more than anything else, it didn't feel earned. It felt somewhat out of nowhere that because they did it a six episode short season and because you had to rush the top two storylines it was one thing to do the kill of the night king but then it felt like the rest of it was somehow a tacked on epilogue that didn't fit with the rest of what everything was building towards and because of that it didn't feel this grandiose ending that we were supposed to be treated to that they'd been building to for six or seven seasons so whether your mileage may vary on whether it was the fitting end and the right person became king and that it was maybe a little bit predictable, and if it was predictable, I'm sure that would be another reason why people hate it. It just didn't feel earned. I agree, I agree that the they should have split it up over two seasons, and then season eight should have been the Night King, like ends with that storyline, and then season nine should have been the conclusion. I also put a lot of this on George R.R. R. Martin. I understand it's not easy to write a book, but you told everyone you'd have them done by the time they got there and you didn't have it even close. So I put a lot of the blame on him. He still hasn't even finished what? What and, would be season six? Um, no, I think season he, five. I have all the books right here. We got one, two. You, you can't talk away from the mic. Well, this is a sh- podcast. Sh- shush. I'm talking. They can hear me. Uh, I got, there's five books here. I think they're thank goodness it's six. your recording, not mine. Yeah, I think he wrote through season six and then season seven and eight went off the walls. But uh, well, he so supposedly I've... told them how it ends. I don't know. <laughs> I think he told them what he was thinking and he wanted to test it. It'd be like, ooh, do people like this or not? And then he's going to change. I guarantee he's going to change it. I bet Bran is not the king in his books. I bet it's Tyrion. Who Tyrion should have been the king, let's be honest. Yeah, and it he been him. somewhat is. But uh, 
the only thing I didn't like, which I understood why they did it, but I really hated Jamie fucking going back to Cersei. I, I was like, you, this dude was deplorable and you built him back up and we all loved him and you did it again. You kill you. Ugh, I hated that. That I, one it was actually the right I move. buy as something that could have realistically happened because people yeah. can't get out of their own way. Like they oh, keep was, making yeah. the same mistakes over and over and over again. Like teams allowing LeBron to be the general manager and their star player. All right. It all happens right. over and over and it fucks them in the ass. And then right. they wonder what happened. Okay. Well, four rings and 10 finals, but we don't, he doesn't need to catch dragon fire strays here. Uh, no, it was the right decision. Like it made sense. I mean, I according just, to Kevin Durant, he's the real goat. So that is a laughable statement. That was laughable. I don't get why I'm not in that conversation. Maybe because you have one MVP award, dude. Like, that's it. That's the reason. No more. Anyway. Anywho. Um, all right. Let's close out. Scenes here. I have five nominees. Tell me if I'm missing anything. I have Jog Around Washington, the opening. I have Ship Extraction, uh, the Lumerian Star. I have Laundry in Chaos, where he flirts with Sharon and then uh, flirts with Bucky, in a way. Uh, the kiss at the mall, that whole sequence um, at the mall, I I just love so much. And then I have Cap versus Bucky on the freeway. I actually didn't have the final helicarrier battle. I actually don't think that's that great of a scene. I'm 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 actually kind of checked out at that point. I don't care as much about that one. Um, but my pick for best scene was Cap versus Bucky on the freeway. Um, it's my favorite scene in the movie. I I love it. I'm all in 100% of my attention every time that's on the screen. I gave it a 50% chance. So just to recap this again, you have your best action scene and your best scene being the same thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Very See, rare. That I normally separate these out. I think the elevator fight has about a 20% chance of getting into the final thing. I think they're, too many good action sequences that will get above that one. But I separated out so many other scenes that you didn't have. I think you have one scene that I had. Oh, really? Correct. So number five, I had wipe the winter soldier, which is when Pierce comes into the bunker and he start Bucky starts to question who he actually is and whether he knows Steve. I thought that was a cool way of incorporating where he's been, how they've been controlling him, what exactly is his power or his prowess? And so I thought that was a good way of trying to bring that all back together and recognize that they're Hydra and they're the real villains and that he's just kind of a pawn. Four, I had Pierce holding Widow hostage. So when they're up in the kind of the control room and she's trying to put all the secrets out on the internet, when Fury holds up his eye patch and delivers his line, I thought that was one of the coolest parts of the movie for me. Hmm. Three, the conversation where they have about S.H.I.E.L.D. has to go along with Hydra and that it's non-negotiable when they find out that Fury is actually alive again. I thought that was yeah. a good reveal. And I thought it's some of the emotional heft of the movie, which we're going to get to when we get to the rubric scoring in the second half of this on my feed. Two, I had the mall sequence. Again, like you, I think that's a very fun sequence. But that's only my number two. And number one, to me, this movie hinges on one big reveal. And that's Arnim Zola as the sleeper agent 
when they're in the bunker in that fort and it's revealed that Hydra is living within S.H.I.E.L.D. That is the best part of the movie because it's the best part of the writing. I agree with that. So that's my number one. And I'm going to give that 35%. All right. Lots of thoughts. First of all, the Colby Smulders of it all. Ugh. Yeah, I could I could do without those scenes. Um, you have to be loving Secret Invasion just because she dies. Spoiler alert. It was the best part of the show. Um, I, she's just I she's so bad. I think she's so bad in these movies. I just I just think she's a bad actress. But um, so there's that. I love a good mall scene. I don't care what movie it is. If it's Paul Blart Mall Cop, if it's Winter Soldier, I just put, <laughs> just put movies in a mall. Put movies in a mall. It's a great setting. It's fantastic. Put them in a mall. I love it. Um, so Wonder Woman 1984. Better because it was in a mall. Yeah. Still not good. But if it had taken place, I don't know. Exclusively at the mall? In a in a college or something would have been way worse. Like a, a mall is just so much fun to me. Everything. Needs Let's to be go to the mall. Everybody and you come and play. Now I don't want to go to the mall anymore. You ruined it. Absolutely <laughs> ruined it. Oh, wrap it around. Kobe Smulders in the mall. Let's go. Robin Shershitsky. Um, not good. Um, all right. That's a good scene, though, the bunker scene. I also love when he when he first gets there. I think it's just great filmmaking when they he sees the pole and then you see like the 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 past like running by him and he stops and looks at himself. I think that's such that's so cool. Um, and so funny when he punches the screen out and he's like, as I was saying, it's very good. One of the few things that I think, and I know that uh, our mutual Scooby-Doo villain friend doesn't agree, <laughs> but I would say one of the great things that the Russos bring to the series is an understanding as TV show directors previously of where the series has been before that. When you're doing franchise building like this, I thought it was actually a stroke of genius to hire TV directors because what you're doing is is entering one episode in a larger archetype with each of these movies. Yes, you're directing probably like three episodes back to back to back essentially. Or, you know, if you're doing half hour episodes, like five in a row in order to do this type of movie. But their understanding of knowing where this movie had been before and where it's going is essential to the connective tissue that builds up the MCU. And I think there's a reason that this Civil War and the two late Avengers movies are held in such high esteem because they have an appreciation for what came before it, what came after it, and what they needed to accomplish to bridge those two things. Yeah, I love that you get to see the evolution of these characters. I mean, like what I just mentioned with him looking at himself in the past, you know, like right. we get to, we literally get to see a character grow and he watches himself grow. And it's, it's so cool. Um, so that's a great scene. I like that. Um, it's a very good movie. Yes, it is. Let's dive into some hot takes and lingering questions before we get out of here. Uh, do you have anything? I have quite a few. So do you want to like Ooh. stagger this where we go back and forth or do you just want me to unload? Sure. Yeah. I got, uh, I got four. So yeah, we can just go back. I got and forth. five. All right, so you go first. Why does everyone seemingly always shoot at the shield? It doesn't cover his whole body. True. They could it's hard to hit. In fact, feet, there is one person who doesn't shoot at the shield and it's the Winter Soldier. Is he like that much more intelligent than everybody too? Well, he is a super soldier. So, probably. 
Does the super soldier serum enhance your intelligence? I don't even know. Probably does, right? Yeah, I think it does, because when they mentioned it in Civil War that those extra sleeper cell agents that get the knockoff Soviet brands uh, serum could tackle a government in like so many days because they're not only also super intelligent, but like super gifted. Yeah. And now they've diluted it because now, you know, all those people in Falcon and Winter Soldier run around as super soldiers and really just ruined the whole thing. But that's fine. So, yeah, that's a good question, though. They could shoot somewhere else. Shoot at his feet. Shoot him in the head. Well, he's usually like got the, you know, he's usually behind the shield. Not always, but it's not like it's covering up his kneecaps. No, that's true. That's true. A shield, I, I don't know. I'm not a, I, I'm not a big fan of the shield. It wouldn't be my first choice of like what I could have. And it's kind of just, it's hard to throw, you know, like. I don't understand so the aerodynamics awkward. of that thing. It's a boomerang meets a frisbee meets vibranium. Yeah, I, I, okay. <laughs> you don't get that? Come on. The physics is mystifying, but anyway, you, you buy in sure. or you don't. I do like in Falcon Winter Soldier, I, my, my favorite part of that show is the montage of him learning how to use it and he can't use it at first. I at least appreciated that. It's like, okay, that's good. This is good character building. Nothing else you've done is good, but this is good. All right, my first one, we already touched on it. Cap and Natasha fucked. Hot take. They did numerous times and they kept going throughout the entire MCU. But uh, Not buying it, but okay. Um, so that's my first. What's your next one? How does Vibranium cut Vibranium? he hammers the shield into the arm and it supposedly like cuts into it enough to make it not functional. If vibranium is the hardest surface on earth or the hardest metal, how does vibranium cut vibranium? It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, does it cut it or does it just like dislodge it from his body? He bit. uses the shield to cut through tons of other metal. Like he cuts the lock on the padlock or whatever to get into places and he'll yeah. cut through stuff. Like he uses that as like a cudgel that he could just hammer that into something and it will break it off or cut through it or whatever. But he makes like a, a sizable like rim indent, if you will, but or at least like makes it not functional for a little while. I don't mm. get the math of that. How does vibranium get through vibranium it's why i don't quite understand panther in his claws on other vibranium suits like how does he stab through vibranium suits he also scratches the shield too that's true um i don't know we'll have to ask rocket we'll have to let him uh, do his his research on bucky's arm now that he has it in his possession and um and he will tell us that's a story See, that's a show that's the show i want how did Nebula get that goddamn arm? Where did she get that thing? And uh, That's the show I want. Marvel, give us what we want. That stupid She-Hulk. Um, my next one. We kind of touched on this one too. The baseball cap as the secret identity is birthed in this movie. We see Ant-Man use it when he goes to that campus and, they're just, and, and they point it out and he's like, we're in disguise. What do you mean we're in disguise, Hank? We're wearing baseball caps. We just look like we're fans at a giants game um it, it's very strange that they just use all their characters they just throw a hat on them and no one knows who they are except one little kid in a museum that's it nobody else notices same glasses 
Could be twins. What? Who? What are you talking about? You missed the same glasses. Who says same glasses? What are you talking about? Aaron. The guy at the oh. mall. Oh, oh, okay. All right. I see what you're saying. Okay. I got you. Got you. Oh, he does he's wear under glasses, the baseball he? cap. Forgot, he's like yeah. looking him up and down. He thinks he's going to identify him as Captain America. And he's like, we have the same glasses. Right. I forgot he had glasses on in that scene. That's right. He does. Okay. So I'll give him a little more credit then. He puts glasses on too. I don't know. Maybe Cap needs corrective lenses. The super soldier serum doesn't necessarily work on everything. Like, does it make his dick larger? I would assume so. I mean, he grew like three times in size, so I would assume everything got bigger. So his heart got three sizes bigger, too? I I mean, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, did America's ass get bigger? That's for sure. That for sure did. A few pumps of, you know, of, you know the stuff into that thing. Mm. Um, yeah, I think everything got bigger. He had, I mean, he his body like so, doubled in size. So what you're saying is the super soldier serum had like four different types of anabolic steroids and a low-grade beaver tranquilizer? Yeah, just think Mark McGuire's daily routine in 1994, and like, that's what it is. All right. Fucking monster. Um, all right, that was me, so you're up next. Okay. How did Sam survive the parachute fall from the helicarrier since he only opened his chute like seemingly 100 yards above the roof? He's a superhero, that's how. Yeah, it's like how Dominic Toretto survives all these ridiculous stunts where anyone else would die. Well, he's also a superhero, so. Exactly. <laughs> my favorite is when he stomps the ground and the building collapses. That's my favorite. It's my favorite Dominic Toretto act. <laughs> it's so funny. Fucking Tyrannosaurus Rex stomp and, and the whole parking garage comes crashing down. It's fantastic. Um, speaking of Falcon, you just reminded me, we didn't talk about a scene that I really love which is the um, the interrogation on the rooftop with, um, I don't remember his name, but... Sitwell. Sitwell. And he name drops Stephen Strange. He names drops a kid in Iowa, um, which is interesting. I think that's a really fun scene. To, to name drop Doctor Strange is very interesting at this point. Do they even have Cumberbatch cast? Probably. But I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's... It was like two years two later. Years... I suppose this would have been like peak Sherlock time. Yeah. Yeah, they probably did. Yeah. If they if they had cast him, they had probably just cast him, but yeah, probably. Yeah. So I always love that. I think that's interesting. Who do you know who the kid from Iowa is? I probably know, I forgot but I forgot. No, no idea. It's gotta be some maybe it's She Hulk. I don't know. Disappointing us again. Um Who knows? All right. Um so that was that was you, right? That was your hot take? Yeah. Or question. Well, um, you had then followed it up with your scene that you wanted to talk about. True. That was not my hot take, though, so I'm going to go again here. Um, That's fine. It is the, your show. The Nick Fury thing. And I'm here. <laughs> um, the last time I trusted someone, I lost an eye. What? It was a cat. I, I hate this. I hate this so much. Yeah, I can't even describe how much I hate this. Like the cats i get the cats a funny bit i get that in captain marvel you want nicholas j fury to be friends with a cat fine fine if you must T to make that how he loses his eye is reprehensible 
It's egregious. It's poor I, writing. I, I hate it. I hate it so much. And it makes this line, which was such a badass line. And at, coming out of the movie, everyone was like, ooh, someday we're going to learn how he loses the eye. It's going to be great. And it's a fucking cat. And I just, I hate it. I hate it. No argument here. I just choose not to remember that that actually happened. Which part? The line or the cat? The movie. Captain Marvel? Yeah. Until we have to do a pot on it, and then I can't forget it for about a week, and then I can forget it again. I will say I rewatched it before the Marvels. I liked it a little better. I'm not going to lie. It got a little better with age. Just a little bit. So it went up from a 7.8 to a (laughs) 7.9? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Guys, I love the movie. I don't know what you're talking about. I gave it a failing grade. Why do you oh, think you gotta, I did like You gotta like drop it? your your voice like really low, and sound <laughs> this, like a friendly giant. He sounds like Andrew Andrew Luck. He sounds like Andrew Luck a little bit. Oh, he's got that, he's got that low voice. <laughs> cards and Civil War gear. <laughs> oh, that would be classic. Uh, all right, that was that. I did the eye thing. All right, what do you got next? How did Hydra expect Americans to willingly let the random valedictorian from Iowa get killed? Like, if you had your best friend next to you and they just get killed from the air by some random helicarrier, like, how are people not going to be storming the Capitol like it's January 6th? Well, they, I mean, I think the plan was probably a little more stealth than that. Was that the plan? It was just like mass, well, just they have these massive or... floating, like, giant guns from above. How is that stealth? Like, if you built up Hydra and had S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, take I... people out covertly like ninjas, that'd be one thing. Like, if you had made them simulate accidents, kind of in the same way that the uh, Winter Soldier makes Tony Stark's parents die and makes Spoiler it look alert. like an accident. Like, maybe. But not just killing people randomly from above. Yeah, that's never how I really pictured them doing it. Maybe that is how they were going to do it, but I never thought that that was how they were going to do it. What else is the plan? I don't know. I thought of the helicarrier more as like the base of operations, but not. They have a base of operations in D.C. Well, maybe they wanted an air one, too. I don't know. You know, maybe they some, some of them like to be in the air, like in Black Widow. I don't know. All I'm saying is, is if a secret black ops agency starts just randomly killing people and a bunch of people around you disappear that aren't necessarily all pro-government, I think you'd start to notice and be a little concerned. Well, let's be honest. The valedictorian doesn't have any friends anyway, so who cares? No one's going to care. No one's going to say anything. Fucking nerd. No one's going to say anything. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I I suppose you were right. I didn't have any friends. (laughs) You were the valedictorian? No. But I didn't have any friends either. Oh. Oh, there we go. That took a sad turn. Um, <laughs> all right. Here's a, this is more of a question than a hot take. Because this, I really, I am befuddled by this. So this connects to Endgame. So okay. obviously, Steve time travels, right, at the end of Endgame. And we see him with Peggy. Now, I have always assumed that he just went back in time and lived his life in our timeline. And he's just been in the shadows not doing anything, not interfering, letting things happen, but he's always been there. But there's a large swath of people who think, who don't understand that or think that's incorrect and think he went to like this parallel universe and he's, and he hasn't lived the events that, that we've seen him live. And, and it's created this huge 
a neck, uh, what is it? A nexus event or whatever it's called. And, and worlds are colliding. And uh, like, what, what is your take? Do you think he's just been living in our timeline in the shadows? Or do you think so? I did not have this on my list of questions, but I have a offshoot question from this question. Okay. So in this movie, you deduce, well, I'll back this up. All right. To answer your question directly first, however, what I will say is that Endgame lays out all of its own ground rules on time travel and basically says all of the other time travel movies and everything else don't exist or that their rules don't apply. So the notion that there's this back to the future nexus event that erases what's happening in the present because you've changed something in the past, the movie already tells you it does not apply. So for him to go back in time, as we keep saying, and put all the stones back in their original location, which is exactly what he was supposed to do. And he says, I put them all back. He just Mm -hmm. stays there instead of coming back to the future. Yeah. So that implies that he's still within this same universe. We haven't gone multiversal yet. He's not in another dimension as far as we know, because that's not possible yet within that movie. We haven't gone to these earth 42s and all the other random stuff that happens. So within the course of the movie, the movie has already told you how to watch it. He exists only in his previous timeline, but because he was frozen during that time, he actually has two existences. The one that goes back in time. That's not frozen. And the one that where his body was frozen jumps forward in time to allow him to go back in time. So he's technically exists twice. So that's my reading of the movie. Now, the part that I can't get around because I didn't remember it until such time as rewatching this movie, but Peggy was married. Yeah. To him. Now it doesn't actually say that though. She was married in the course of the movie and she doesn't remember that she was married to him. Mm. So it can't have existed because it hasn't happened in the future yet because the future then predicts the past. So she was married to somebody else during the course of this movie, or at least it was revealed that she was married to somebody else. So what happens to that guy? Well, do you want my theory? Sure. It's dark. Are you ready for this? It's fucking dark. And a little fucked up. Why? It's your show. I know, but I don't know if you're ready for this. She's obviously married to Steve. Those are Steve's kids. That, That everything is Steve. And her whole Alzheimer's thing, I think is fake. I think she's fucking with him. And I think she's faking that. Because she knows she can't reveal to this young Steve that what happens. Like, she obviously can't tell him. He has to do all this on his own. She knows that. And I think she's fucking with him. And just making him, you know, move on, basically, from this moment on. Because she knows she gets him back. She knows they live a happy life together. But he's got to go do this. So that's my read on it. That I think she is messing with his head and pretending to be sick and everything to get him to do what he needs to do. All right. So a couple of ways to shoot holes in that theory. One, she has to at least be somewhat sick because she dies in the next movie, the next Captain America movie. So it's not like, I mean, yeah, she's like, she just simply that she wasn't, or that she's just faking being sick or being ill or whatever it was. But two, that still defies all the rules that are established in Endgame. That would mean that she knows pre-existing that he was married to her in order to lie to him at that point in time. 
What I'm saying is, is that in no. the current timeline, he has not traveled back in time yet, so he can't have been married to her in order for her to lie to him. What are you talking because about? Because that hasn't happened in, in the past yet. Just because it happens in the past doesn't mean that it happens before he goes back in time. No, once he goes back in time, he's always back in time. It's a paradox. You can, there isn't like a set time where he isn't back in time. He's yes, there is because there has to be a precipitating event. You don't have a continual loop. It's not an infinity. It's a Mobius strip. This is an inception. It's a Mobius strip. It's what it is. There's no beginning. There's no end. He's always back in time. What do you mean? I mean that he had to have had a present where he wasn't married to Peggy before he could go back in time and then be married to Peggy. Yes, in 2014, he is not married. Young Steve is not married to Peggy in 2014. Correct. And the original version of the timeline would have her married to someone else. But there is no original. What are you talking about? What original version of the timeline? There is none. There has to be a full linear course of history before he can go back in what? time and then change or alter history again, which wouldn't be clear to you in the original version of the timeline. No, no, you're wrong. No, what are you talking about? No, he goes back in time in 20, what is it? 2023, right? Just throw it up on a poll. Just ask people who's right. And then timestamp it up this on or the poll. whatever. In 2023, he travels back in time. Yes, do we agree on that? Yes. Well, he travels, is it 2023? I believe it's, I believe Endgame takes place in 2023. So he you time travels right. okay. back in time to whatever. For, let's say, what, 45? I don't know. Pick a year. Whatever. 43. Let's make it clean. 1943, 80 years ago. So now he's living in 1943. He is in 1943, which means every 1943 he is in. Okay, I'm not following you anymore. What do you mean? He's... He went back in time in our timeline to 1943. Okay. Yes or no? There, the time is not a construct where it happens simultaneously so that one event can loop back and then reassert itself so that there's new learned knowledge. There has to be a pre-existing timeline that exists based on how it was explained in Endgame by Bruce Banner. But he didn't change anything in the future. It doesn't matter. I don't know what we're talking about. I don't, I don't know. All right. I, that's Steve. She's married to Steve. That is Steve's kids. Or those are Steve's kids. That is young Steve is seeing his future wife in the past. Okay. Um, all right. That was all I had. Do you have anything else? Wouldn't a fall from 50 stories into the water where you basically do a backflop, like have killed Captain America? Probably should have. Yeah. Like, I don't care if you're roided out like Mark McGuire. You're not surviving that level of a fall. Well, no, it's like concrete. Yeah, you wouldn't do that. Um, but, you know, it's Cap. It's Cap. Of course he survived. Well, yeah, because he's a superhero. He's not going to die. Of course not. Well, we got to have a third movie, so we can't kill him now. What would be the third movie? There wouldn't be a third movie, and we'd have, like, some actual consequences to this stuff. Oh, that'd be too bad. No, thank you to that. Good, sir. And a lot of people think, see, now I'm hung up on the time travel thing. A lot of people don't understand because he, he gets back to the bench. <laughs> he gets back to the bench because he's lived in our timeline 
and he and he knows exactly. I already when... agreed with that point point of view, but my question was: is what happens to the original husband? There is no original husband. What are you talking about? Where is it established that she has a husband that's different than Steve Rogers? Is there any point in in, in this like, movie? Why is it established that it's not Steve Rogers? Because of the rules that are laid out in Endgame. I, I, I don't have time unless I'm going to get like a whiteboard and explain it to you to no, show you exactly wrong, how this goes. Because you're wrong. It never once says my husband, Jiminy Billy Bob, and I, you know, it, it, it all she says is my husband because she knows she can't tell this young Steve because she knows that this Steve cannot know what he does in the future. Also, how is that dark? Faking Alzheimer's to your future husband? Again, I don't think dark. she's faking. I think she's faking. She remembers him, and I don't think it was Alzheimer's. She could have been dying with something else. She's coughing. She could have had... About? She, she has a spell while he's there. She says, oh my God, Steve, you're back. After they just had a conversation. And then she says, oh my God, it's you, Steve. I, I, I'm sorry. I never read Alzheimer's in that scene. Oh, I think it's very much Alzheimer's, but I think she's fucking with him anyway. Cause she knows she can't tell this Steve what he does in the future. He has to do it on his own. It's just like Stephen Strange. Stephen Strange says that to Tony, right? He says, I, if I tell you what's going to happen, it's not going to happen. So he can't tell Tony what is going to happen. He knows what's going to happen, but he can't tell him because then it won't happen. So she knows she can't tell Steve what, what he does or he's not going to do it. Although he's selfish, so he All right, might that's be, the Steve's best of version shit. of your argument yet. Steve's that a selfish piece of shit. So al he alternate rules, it. but what you basically laid out is, is that Marvel wasn't following its own rules. I disagree. I disagree. I, 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 their rules were changing the past doesn't change the future. He didn't change the future in anything he did, except he ruined the future by giving Sam the shield instead of Bucky. But that's a different. Also, story. if what changes in the past doesn't change in the future, then having the infinity stones pulled out of the past wouldn't change what, where they're at now. So why put them back? You have to put them back or reality will crumble except I don't know. Cause they didn't in this future. So, or in this reality. So I don't actually think that's true, but I don't know. Cause he puts, well, he puts them back the second they leave. So they never left because he puts them back the exact second they're gone. So they never left, but but then they're not here in this reality, so that that doesn't make sense. Okay, but in that same timeline, then, how can he put them back and them not notice? There are two Steve Rogers here? There's been two Steve Rogers the entire timeline. That's what I'm telling you. He's lived, he's been in the same place twice. The whole time. He's been running around doing his thing. I think what would be really cool, is, and I don't think Marvel would ever do this, because it's the Stan Lee estate probably would not let this happen. But I think it'd be really cool to continue the Stan Lee cameos with old Cap as like being the Stan Lee. I think that'd be really sweet if they did that. I know they won't, but I, but I think that would be. Boy, fun. I don't know about that one. I, I think that might seem rather sticky and you try and do that one time and everyone will crucify you. Yeah, I don't think they ever would. But I think it'd be kind of kind of sweet, you know, and wholesome if they did. But anyway. All right, we're going long. This is too long. I don't want to edit all this. So, so let's get out of here. Tell them, tell them where they can find your stuff, what you're doing, and uh, let's go home. All right, let me hijack this here for another two seconds because you sandbagged me on the almanac, and this is going to come out around the time that the almanac episode is coming out. 
So because I was not prepared for it and you asked me whether Judy Dench had a top five performance for the, her nomination for supporting actors in 1998. <laughs> and I said, no, I now have cleaned this up and thought about exactly what I said and what I meant. Uh-oh. You should not win for a top five. Excuse me. You should not win for a non top five performance of yours, not for nominations. Obviously, there are people uh-huh. with nominations galore. Meryl Streep can't w- only get nominated for her top five performances. She's got like 27 nominations. I mean, what do you do with John Williams or Walt Disney or any of the ones that have been nominated up the wazoo? I don't care about the nominations. You could be nominated for Florence Foster Jenkins for as much as I care, but your wins should be for your top five unless you already have five wins, which no one does. So, unless you're Edith Head because she got basically costume design for 20 years straight during the fifties and sixties. Well, those aren't real movies. So that's fine. Um, <laughs> you just got done with one. Yeah. I didn't like it. Um, <laughs> uh, shocking. You didn't like seven samurai. Yeah, no, not my cup of tea. Well, I'm glad you were able to clear that up. You've clearly been festering on that for a while. So I'm glad you got to get that off your chest. You sandbagging son of a bitch. That is me. Um, all right. I don't want to keep editing. Tell them where they can find you so I can go. You can find part two on Greatest Movie of All Time podcast. Wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us on RonnieDuncanStudios.com backslash Gmote podcast or at any of our socials at Gmote podcast on Letterboxd, X, TikTok, Instagram, and I think we even have a Facebook page. So find us there. Uh, Part two will be coming up shortly. Nice. Go check them out. Great pod. Lots of fun. Um, That is going to do it here. Thanks for listening. And remember, on your left.